Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. <laughs> Greetings, everybody. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, music and interviews with talented twin Texas bluegrass and gospel duo, the Purple Halls, recorded live here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park. Down in the vault, Mark Jones will offer an archival recording of Ozark original Donnie Dutton performing the traditional tune, Wildwood Flower. Writer and historian Dr. Brooks Blevins recounts the American geographer, geologist, and ethnologist Henry Schoolcraft's experience in the early Ozark region. All that this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. You could easily say that these two musicians were born to make music together. Identical twins, Katie Lou and Penny Lee Clark of the Purple Hulls, were raised on a working family farm in the deep piney woods of East Texas. But that didn't stop the Texans from finding their way to the hills of Tennessee, specifically Music City, where they began touring with various country artists and writing songs for Nashville's largest publishing company. Last summer, they did a show here and knocked us out with their fine musicianship. Here they are on our stage. When I was a little bitty baby, my mama would rock me in the cradle in the far as speaking about um, East Texas, there really isn't a whole lot of bluegrass tradition when comparing to some of the Appalachian states, you know, but um, I do think we do have a little bit of that that goes further back than, you know, just modern day. And, you know, we didn't grow up playing bluegrass, but we definitely grew up listening to bluegrass bands that would come through the Overton Bluegrass Festival and were very influenced by that, I'd say. And we also grew up hearing Western swing music, and of course, being in Texas, that was that was everywhere in Texas, and so I think that was a part of the Northeast Texas music for sure. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think uh, we went to one festival a year in the bluegrass scene. That's pretty much all of the live music that we got to go to as kids. We were so busy on the farm and doing sports and things that, you know, we always sang it, but we never picked up the instruments until 17 years old, but always looked at those bands at the festivals and thought, wow, could you imagine like playing with your family on stage? Like, <laughs> and here we are doing it. for fun and yeah. then our brother who had just gone through the music program at South Plains College he said y'all should you know you you better take advantage of the teachers out here like you know you're eight hours away from home y'all should you know learn how to play some banjo while you're here it wasn't on our radar as something we wanted to pursue as a career at that time it was more just like well since we're out here we'll take some lessons but basketball coach didn't really like that too much because rightly so that was a really rigorous program they were you know, champion, you know, national champions year before, there was no time to practice music and basketball. So I hurt my shoulder and that kind of led to things, you know, well, we can't really play ball. Well, originally we got a we music went. scholarship after that. Yeah, after oh, that great. was music. What but we were able to apply and still get a scholarship for the music. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the scholarship at the basketball didn't work out because we chose music. So anyway, yeah, we never played an actual game and, and, um, so we we didn't never we, use the scholarship, the basketball scholarship that was available. <laughs> so we kind of dropped it. Welcome to West Texas. There's music in the air. Dust clouds, a tornado or two, no telling what's up there. Well, the wind outside is howling. Coyotes crying fear. Welcome to West Texas. You're gonna like it here. Wake up in a dust storm 
So we're almost the snub. We're the same age. We just came out at different time. <laughs> Is that too far? Yeah. We always liked music and grew up singing in church. And we took piano lessons from our grandmother, who um, was a great piano player and teacher. And our mom played piano. So there was that kind of music in the home, but we didn't have any stringed instruments or anything of that nature. We were just kind of fans. And like she said, we were busy with other things. But it just so happened that my uncle had um didn't want to really play banjo anymore. He was moving on to a like a a home that he was staying in and couldn't really play banjo. So he he said, Well, why don't y'all take it? And that's kinda how it started. We did all the sports, but mainly basketball. So we actually went to college to play basketball on a basketball scholarship. But it happened to be the same college that offered the very unique commercial music program that we went through out in West Texas in Leveland, Texas. And so um, we kind of ditched the basketball and pursued music because there's no way you could do both. There's no power in the water, be it the mighty Mississippi or the Jordan when it floods. There's no power in the water to take away our sin. The power's in the blood. Baptists to 
preach and make the way for the Savior who would save the whole world through. Well, John baptized with water, said one more powerful would come. There's something even John the Baptist knew. There's no power in the water, be it the mighty Mississippi or the Jordan when it floods. There's no power in the water to take away our sin, the powers in the blood. Take it, Katie. Jesus met a man with an illness 40 years could not dispel. He was waiting by the water to be healed when Jesus said, Take up your bed and walk, you've been made well. There's no power in the water, be it the mighty Mississippi or the Jordan when it floods. There's no power in the water to make us new again. The power's in the Purple holes, well, purple holes are actually a variety of pea, much like the black-eyed pea, but except better. But better, I think. Yeah. We grew up on a farm where we raised various vegetables and, and things. But in college, we started um, growing purple hole peas during the summer when we'd come home to pick and just sell to the public. And uh, our dad would plant the peas and, and fertilize and everything. By the time we got home from South Plains College, they'd be ready, you know, just about ready to pick and sell. And so when we were thinking about band names, I guess you, it was years, a few years later, it was, it was something that, you know, a little bit resonated with our upbringing and just kind of connected us a little bit with home because we were in Nashville at the time. And so mm -hmm. just something that related, really relatable to our upbringing. And it also causes a lot of good conversation. Sure. We end up talking about farming everywhere we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Don't give me that hope, so think so, maybe so salvation, the kind that leave here with no consolation. I want the kind that'll turn my life around. Just give me that hold out, worked out, got a shot,
I may have come here like on a little camping trip at one time, but yeah. <laughs> I've never experienced the Ozarks. We've like, never played here. So we've never played to... in the Ozarks. I fell in it's love beautiful. with Arkansas yesterday, and I posted a picture of that on Facebook of me near the water mill on the river. And just, I, I really didn't know there was so much, Arkansas had that much to offer as far as like just exploring and sites and just free roaming places at this park. I mean, I guess I've never really thought much about it, honestly, but I've been looking forward to this. And so I kept hearing from everywhere we go, they always say, have you played Mountain View yet? Have you played I, Mountain View? I bet a hundred people at different shows through the past five years. Oh, said, you, you should go to Mountain View. Y'all you know? belong at Mountain View. <laughs> and so yesterday was, it was great. We did the cave, the cavern, Yep. Um, and then we just, we really explored a lot. Mm -hmm. been listening to the identical twin musical duo the purple hulls the girls began that set with cotton fields followed by there's a new moon over my shoulder and then three original songs welcome to west texas no power in the water and don't give me that and finished with come thou fount of every blessing after this short break i'll be making my way down to the vault for a visit with the colorful and entertaining mark jones this is ozark highlands radio Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. As I promised earlier, it's time for my weekly trip down to the vault to visit with Mark Jones. Let's head down there now. Hey, Mark. Mark. What? <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you listening to something down here. I am. Hey, Dave, let me turn this down here. Boy, that was some, that was some pretty fine playing. That, that sounded like Merle Travis playing the nine-pound hammer. Am I right about that? It is. Merle's been a friend of Dad's for a long time, so he's kind of been an uncle to me. Well, I'll bet. And referred to Uncle Merle all my life. <laughs> you know, and for years now, we've had the Merle Travis tribute here every summer for a long time now. When did we start that? Well, we started that in 1979. Jack Quayle and I were talking about trying to get a festival or a contest or something to 
together, you know, for guitar players that lived here. Mike Sutter was involved in mm-hmm. it. But I, uh, I called Uncle Merle, and uh, all Merle's response was, was, well, let me know when, where, and I'll be there. <laughs> and he came down, we did the first thumb-picking contest in 1979, May of that year. Yeah, and thumb-picking, of course, is that style of guitar that was really started by Merle Travis. He invented it, didn't he? Well, he yeah. helped develop it. It was going on by a lot of different players up in that part of Kentucky, and it's real funny, up in Muhlenberg County in Kentucky, he had learned from Mose Rager, Ike Everly, the Everly brothers' father, played uh-huh. that style, uh-huh. and Merle learned so much and uh, kind of developed it into what it is today. I remember he came to the first couple of the shows that we had, the Thumb Picking Weekends. He sure did. It was great to have him here. He was an old guy, but he could still pick that guitar, couldn't he? You know what I run across? A uh, recording of Merle presenting the award to uh, the fellow that won it. I'd love to hear that. All right. Here's Uncle Merle presenting the award to Donnie Dutton. I want you to help me with the presentation, Merle. I think it'll mean more coming from you than it would from us here. We're going to ask Merle, if you, if you haven't seen this plaque, you've got to come back and see it. This has got Merle's likeness on it with his guitar, and the winner each year will be added. And I'm going to ask Merle, if he will, to present this to the, our winner this year, Donnie Dutton, if you will, Merle. Good. Donnie, come here, buddy. To you, uh, possibly, and to the folks out here in the audience, let me explain exactly how this happened. Me and uh, Joe and Lena sat back there, and, and nobody told us who was playing. <laughs> and, and when you come on, I'll tell you, you come on. I said, don't kid me, they've slipped Chet Atkins in there. <laughs> you was terrific. You sound wonderful. And uh, it's my pleasure, of course, to present you with this trophy. And your name, of course, will be first. And I'm sure that a number of famous guitar players in the future will be after it as well as yours. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you very much. He's good. Well, that's nice to hear. That was very kind of Merle to, to make that reference to Chet Atkins, wasn't it? Yes, it, it sure was. I wonder, have you got the, a recording of Donnie Dutton, the guy who won the contest? I do. Would you like to hear that? I'd love to. All right.
That's a good old tune, the the Wildwood Flower. You know, it's interesting the way he played that. He started out kind of with the flat-picking style that we're all used to hearing that tune played at and then switched over into that sweet thumb-picking sound. That's right. That showed the difference of the two. That's very interesting. Mark, thank you very much. It's been great to hear these tunes today. Thank you. Let's get back to some more music from this week's featured musicians, the Purple Halls. The first thing you notice about the Clark Twins stage show is their infectious enthusiasm for what they do, their powerful voices and adept musicianship. Let's go back down to the stage for some more music from the Purple Halls. One that we just most recently written is one that we wrote about our dad. And it's um, more of kind of a singer-songwritery style. We both play guitar. and But um, it's just made up really of a bunch of um, things that we wish maybe our dad could be here for since passing. Things that have just happened since his passing, like little things and playing the Grand Ole Opry. Or, um, and, and then... Oh, and that's a big thing, but but just just things like that, and we just that song for us was probably one of the most easy songs to write, I think, because it just flowed out just so naturally. 
that's why a really special one to us. And it seems to resonate with a lot of people because so many people have lost somebody and a lot of people have lost their fathers. And so I, I love that it, it brings a lot of good conversation after shows and mm-hmm. it brings a lot of tears, but also a lot of people come up with real fun memories and stories mm-hmm. about their upbringing. And mm-hmm. it, I love when songs can create that kind of, you know, atmosphere, so. I remember you leaving down that dusty old driveway in the summer of 13. You'd always said that you had no doubts of where you were going but you sure hated to leave your family i wish you could have seen the sky that day just as the hearse drove you away there is peace in the storm smiles on our faces we took pictures under red and orange and blue Things I wish I knew Things I wish my daddy knew When they laid your body in the ground Well, you wouldn't believe All the people around that grave After lunch, your friends came out Oh, and I could write a book With all the things they had to say Of you in your younger days I wish you could have seen the crop that year We had record rains and the pond finally reached the pier I missed your predictions on the forecast When a storm was rolling in didn't see this one hitting us so soon things I wish my daddy knew I wish you knew how mom is working hard to be strong for the family she's still learning how to drive a tractor right without riding the clutch too tight your babies play the Opry in Nashville, Tennessee on the instruments you gave us I can feel you there with me and that's for that old 22 it's still a shooting true in Sally Trees the coons up high at night all your grandkids say they want to be like you things I wish my daddy knew Wish 
If we're talking about that song, people always, they're always like astonished that we can get through a song like that and not, and just get through it, you know, not, and not cry. And, um, cause there usually are a number of people crying in the audience. And so, but really I, I got up many of the tears while writing the song. And, um, so I just want to do my best to perform it kind of in his honor, you know, and for people to be able to understand the words, you can't really cry through it. So it's kind of a mind over matter <laughs> thing, you know? And so, oh, I've learned, like, I've, I've learned it the hard way. I, I, it took me a few times to be able to sing that without, without crying. I can imagine. So, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. I've been around just long enough to know just what love is. Like the look I'd see on my mama's face every time daddy's still like his. With faith in the Lord side by side, forever in their hearts, in the fire, in their eyes. That's one thing that money can't buy and time can't ever raise. They got a new
Katie Lou and Penny Lee Clark, the Purple Halls, recorded live on stage at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. We heard a medley of three great old fiddle tunes, Bill Cheatham, Black Mountain Rag, and Turkey in the Straw, followed by their moving original song, Things I Wish He Knew, and another original, New Old Fashioned Love. There's more good music from these talented young ladies coming up in today's show, after this break, and a visit with folklorist Brooks Blevins in our guest host segment. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Have you ever noticed that the trip to get someplace is always more exciting and often less hurried than the trip back home? Apparently, it was no different two centuries ago. In our last installment commemorating the 200th anniversary of Henry Rowe Schoolcraft's journey through the heart of the old Ozarks, we'll follow Schoolcraft and his companion, Levi Pettibone, on their trek back to their starting point, Potosi, Missouri. The duo, with two hunters for guides, made their farthest thrust into the remote Ozark region of southwestern Missouri during the first few days of the year 1819. On January 5th, the travelers rose early, blazed their names and the date on a large black oak tree, and headed southward toward the White River. More than a decade later, the first settlers of the town that would become Springfield, Missouri would begin arriving on the prairies they left behind. To this point, Schoolcraft and Pettibone had been traipsing the Ozark backcountry for two months. The comparatively speedy return trip would take roughly four weeks. Agreeing that a different route, which is to say a route less likely to starve a couple of neophyte explorers, would be the best strategy for the return, our travelers launched a canoe on the crystal-clear White River at the mouth of Beaver Creek on January 9, 1819 and reached Batesville, Arkansas on the 18th. Along the way, they found time to search for Indian artifacts and specimens of rocks and minerals. They also met many of the White River Valley's earliest white residents. Among them were Solomon Yoakum, whose family would play a central role in some of the more colorful events of the old Ozarks. After surviving a tipped canoe in the churning, foaming rapids of the Bull Shoals, they stayed a night with a farmer and hunter named Augustine Friend, described by Schoolcraft as a hospitable man of some intelligence. 
Farther downstream, the intrepid duo met a Mr. Lee, described as the first Yankee encountered on their trip in the Ozarks, and another member of the Yoakum family, who borrowed the traveler's canoe to carry a load of bear's bacon and pork downriver. At the mouth of the North Fork, near the modern-day town of Norfolk, Arkansas, the duo were surprised to find a large keelboat made in Pittsburgh being loaded with hides, meats, honey, and beeswax for the trip downstream. Our travelers spent two nights at the mouth of the North Fork, the second one confined in a small tavern with about a dozen hunters who had descended the river to sell hides and meat. Some drank, some sang, some danced. A considerable portion attempted all three together, a sleepless schoolcraft recorded in his journal, and a scene of undistinguishable bawling and riot ensued. Escaping this night of carousing unscathed, the duo continued their float down the White River. They were soon entranced by the famous Calico Rock, which Schoolcraft described as a lofty, smooth wall of stratified limestone rock, presenting a diversity of color in squares, stripes, spots, or angles, all confusedly mixed and arranged according to the inimitable pencil of nature. Fourteen miles below the Calico Rock, they spent the night at the home of Jehoiada Jeffrey in a place soon to be called Mount Olive. The following day, they floated and paddled another 35 miles, putting up for the night with the widow Lafferty, who remained in her cabin even though the land on which it set had been granted to the Cherokees less than two years earlier. On Monday, the 18th of January, the canoe passed out of the most rugged hills and came ashore 30 miles downstream at Pokebio, a raw village of about a dozen houses, today known as Batesville. At Pokebio, the weary travelers left the White River behind and proceeded on foot up the well-traveled trail to St. Louis. On the first day of walking, Schoolcraft severely sprained an ankle, but a good Samaritan let the injured traveler ride his horse a dozen miles to a tiny village on the Strawberry River in the vicinity of modern-day Smithville. At this point, Schoolcraft and Pettibone parted ways after two and a half months together as the latter was in too big a hurry to make it back to civilization to wait on his convalescing partner. After a couple of days of rest, Schoolcraft resumed his journey, traveling as rapidly as possible up the road, rarely venturing off the trail to survey mineral deposits. He crossed a series of rivers, the Spring, the Eleven Point, the Current, the Little and Big Black Rivers, before he reached another small settlement where a doctor named Bettis operated a ferry across the St. Francis River. From this village, eventually called Greenville, Missouri, he made his way to the old French Creole village of St. Michael, a more substantial town of some 60 houses that was rapidly becoming Americanized as Fredericktown. Passing through the little community now known as Farmington, Missouri, a couple of days later, Schoolcraft finally made it back to Potosi on February 4th 1819. I arrived at three o'clock in the afternoon after an absence of 90 days and having traveled more than 900 miles. This would be the last line of his journal. As far as we know, Schoolcraft never revisited the Ozark country, spending most of the rest of his life in the Great Lakes region, where he became a federal Indian agent and a noted expert on the traditions and folkways of the Ojibwe and other native peoples of the area. But Schoolcraft will forever be linked with our region through his journal. Published two years later in London, 
Schoolcraft's account of the flora, fauna, and people of the interior Ozarks was the first written record of the region that the world would see. Today, that journal remains one of our most valuable windows into the old Ozarks. Thanks, Brooks. Our featured guests this week, the Purple Halls, are no strangers to the road. They keep up a pretty busy touring schedule and recently have played in Switzerland, Germany, England, and even the Faroe Islands, wherever that is. Google Purple Halls and you can see their touring schedule. You may find them at a venue near you. Let's finish up today's show with four more from the Purple Halls. loved it we did. we were able to do many different things in the music world to like make money you know that's the difference between nashville and where we live now just the opportunity to pursue different avenues of music and but mm -hmm. yeah we learned to write there that was very influential for us and um, we got a deal with sony um, publishing to write songs and so we were able to just learn from some of the best and that really kind of inspired me to keep going and keep pursuing the music thing. We the were, excitement of we creating something new. We were planning on moving yeah. back to Texas in, until our dad got ill. And it's like, well, you know, you know, we spent five years in Nashville. Our brother still lives there. We go back there multiple times a year. We record there. We write there. We, we do a lot of work there. But I wouldn't say it was good to have that reason to come home. But looking back, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then we got to, back. you know, <laughs> got together with the Quabies and played a couple years with them and the things that have happened since. Moving home, I'm and, glad mm -hmm. we ended up coming back to Texas. So we might go back to Tennessee. Who yeah, knows? No. We really enjoyed the time there. So. Roly poly, eating corn and taters, hungry every minute of the day. Roly poly, gnawing on a biscuit, as long as he can chew it, it's okay.
yeah. it's hard. Sometimes where we are, it's like we're like we feel a little alone. There are other people who play music for sure, but we're just so used to the community of people in Nashville and just always around our friends and everybody played and sang, and so it was just it kind of um, made you be creative a lot. But we can find ourselves wasting not a wasting a lot of time, <laughs> spending a lot of time doing things outside of the realm of music. It's not yeah. it's not a waste of time, but it's like. Let's go build a chicken coop. <laughs> or just like, sure. okay, it'll be like five days and things. you haven't picked up an instrument We're like, at all. <laughs> we need to practice. Like, we have a show coming up. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what we do for a living. Yeah, we better we better work on that. We need to write music. And that's sure that didn't happen. So there's a lot of distractions <laughs> right now in our lives with the farm lives. We have like nieces and nephews. And, and none of around. our friends do music. They don't really understand. Our friends know? are like, let's go do something else fun. They're like, you're home. You're not working. And I'm like, no, the, my job is like, I'm self employed. Yeah. I have to make myself work when I'm home. <laughs> But yeah, Nashville is like every day you're diligent and working on music. I read about a man one day wasting all his time away. He prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. He cared not for the things of hell, but trusted one who never failed. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning. Because he would not honor men, he prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. The jaws were locked and made him shout, but God soon brought him safely out. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon and night. Oh, Daniel served the sun. Thirsty, he tried, he prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. Watch him pray like Daniel did from day to day. He prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. You too can gladly dare and do just pray to God. He'll see it through. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon and night. Oh, Daniel served with a star. Fall upon his He prayed to God every morning. I don't feel like I have sacrificed that. Um, maybe looking back a few years later, I might say, you know, things would have been a lot different as far as that is concerned, um, building a family and things like that, if I wouldn't have pursued the music. But um, I think more so would be 
um, getting invested with people at home and probably um, within our family, friends, and church. And um, we moved back to our home place in Texas from Nashville in 2012. And so ever since we've been there, we've just been, we've only been there a few weeks at a time. <laughs> you know, it feels like, except mm -hmm. for the first year, we were there not doing any music at all because our dad was sick. But so that was really sweet to be able to reconnect with many people and build mm -hmm. friendships that would last um, when we're on the road and everything else. So I think for me, that's probably the mm -hmm. biggest sacrifice because I, I miss out on just like, getting invested in my in the people and, and around there so down he'll take it away and toss it out he'll renew your faith because right now he's holding his word it's all the reason we wanna praise him and shout his promises he said he will keep I've got a God who can guarantee Everlasting breath If we believe on his name We will never see death Jesus my hope My hope for salvation He's never gonna let me go What he began in me Said a word to completion He's always holding on to my soul Identical twins Katie Lou and Penny Lee Clark, the Purple Hulls, playing New York Chimes, Roly Poly, Daniel Prade, and Never Gonna Let Me Go. Thanks for listening to our show. I hope you enjoyed listening to these energetic young women. Be sure to check us out at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com and leave us a comment or a question on our Facebook page. 
For Ozark Highlands Radio, this is Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.